Hello, and welcome law firm owners to another episode of the Wildly Successful Law Firm Podcast. I'm your host, Nermeen Dasani, and today we are talking about networking and how to leverage networking to build a wildly successful law firm. So before I get into today's episode, just a real quick reminder, make sure you are signed up for my newsletter list. It is very important that you go ahead and do that before the end of the year. The biggest reason is because I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of giveaways before the end of the year, and you're only going to get it if you are on my newsletter list. So make sure you're subscribed. To do that, you go to www.ws-lawyers.com, and you're going to scroll to the bottom, and you will see a link to register there for my newsletter. I will also link it in the show notes. And one thing that I realized when going through my own podcast episodes that I listen to um, from other podcasters like Tim Ferriss and the sort is Apple does not make it easy to understand how to find show notes. And it took me a minute. I was clicking on the title. I clicked on the show's title. I clicked on the photo. I clicked on all these places and all you have to do is just scroll up. So if you scroll up, you will see the show notes um, from this. And also, if you are already subscribed to the podcast, then I include a link to the website that has the podcast hosted on there and all the show notes are already there. So just a heads up on that in case you are wondering and you're like me where you're like, hey, I'm technologically savvy, but why why can I not figure out where these show notes are? Okay, so thank you for entertaining that little side note there on where to find show notes on these podcasting platforms. Let's get into you and networking and how you can leverage your network into becoming wildly successful, especially as we wrap up this year, 2023, and get ready for 2024. So let's talk. Why is networking crucial for lawyers and law firm owners? Here's the thing. If you just hung your shingle or you are already making tons of money, if you are working for another lawyer or another law firm, it doesn't matter. Networking is incredibly important to your revenue. It doesn't matter what stage you are in. You could be a billboard attorney and networking is still going to be important for you. I'm gonna share with you a stat from Nielsen that is probably going to shock you. 92% of people trust recommendations from friends and family over any other form of advertising. I'm gonna say that again. 92%, not 20%, not 40%, not 60%, not 80%, 92% of people trust recommendations from friends and family over any other form of advertising. So that stat alone is going to explain to you why networking is so unbelievably important at whatever level you are at. I know a lot of people like to say, all you need is SEO, all you need is You know, all you need is a really good social media strategy. You need a great LinkedIn. You need a great Instagram. You need a great TikTok. You need a great Pinterest. People are going to say all of these things to you, but the stats don't lie. 92% of people trust the recommendation from a friend and a family over any other form of advertising. This means that someone could have found you on Google and you've got five stars and you've got a hundred reviews. But if my mom tells me, or if my husband tells me, or if my best friend tells me, or if the person I go to church with tells me, hey, Nermeen, you need to hire so-and-so estate planning attorney. They just did a really great will for me and my family. I'm going to go with that recommendation over the five stars on Google. That's the reality of networking. And that's why I'm doing this episode. I am talking all about networking, what you need to do, what you don't need to do, the questions you need to ask, what groups to consider, all of that in this episode. So let's do it, let's move forward. All right, 
solos and high earning attorneys, you need to network, okay? If you are a solo, you've gotta get your name out there. And the reality is that your first 100 clients are going to be word of mouth or personal referral. First 100 clients at minimum, and they're gonna be first, second, third degree referrals. So it could be that you write a will for someone in your church, they refer you to someone else, that's a second degree, that person refers you to someone else, that's a third degree connection, right? You're, you're expanding your network by, by just focusing on that one circle first, that first initial circle, the people who are closest to you and the people that you know best. And the reality is that I suggest doing networking over any other kind of digital marketing strategy like SEO or social media or Instagram or TikTok, especially for solo and small law firm owners where you haven't even gotten to 100 clients yet. It's going to come from your network. It's not going to come from the internet. That's the reality of it. I'm going to share with you a real example. I had a solo attorney client who's working with me and she practiced in a very niche area of tax law. And she joined a networking group that had a few accountants, a few estate planning attorneys, and then a few tax lawyers who worked for bigger firms. And she got so much referral business from the first few meetings that she attended that we had to switch the focus on increasing her rates and then automating parts of her law firm. I'm telling you, it works. It doesn't work for everyone, but when you do it the right way, it definitely works. If you're a high earning attorney, your network is your net worth. I know you've heard that before. The more people you know, like business bankers or high net worth people, commercial realtors who are closing $10 million pieces of commercial property, money managers for high net worth individuals, the more likely you will be brought in as a referral partner or an advisor for their clients, okay? I believe that no one is above networking and while we are all busy, all of us are busy, you're not the only one who's busy, you're not the only one you know, screaming like, like a chicken with its head cut off in your law firm, you're not the only one. We're all busy, but each of us can find a way to make networking work for your schedule. And it's all about making it work for your schedule. So keep listening, and I'm gonna share with you specifics on what you can do if you are one of those people who are just super busy. All right, let's talk about the power of a strong network, okay? So this network is something that can be like a backbone for your law, for law firm in that if you are looking for people to help you build a website, you're looking for someone who can um, do private investigative work for you, if you are looking for someone who can set up the tech in your firm, uh, your, your computer and your printer and just all that stuff, you can find that in your own network for that specific group that you are part of. So that's how they become the backbone for your law firm. And they can also be an asset for your growth by introducing you to people, introducing you to realtors, introducing you to uh, other couples, other potential new clients that you can work with. It's all about the give and the take when it comes to networking. And the thing I want you to remember is always be giving. So you know that movie, Glengarry Glenn Ross, he says, always be closing. That's actually not what I'm recommending here. I'm recommending always be giving. There is the book called The Giver. You are welcome to read that if you want, but I'm going to talk, you about, talk to you today about how important it is to be giving introductions and to be giving instead of sitting around and receiving or waiting to receive before you give in a networking group. So when you are building your network, I want you to think about potential client leads. So as I said before, your network, the stronger it is, can lead to a regular flow of leads for your business. There are mentorship opportunities, so you can engage with someone who's maybe in a different group from you, but is more seasoned than you are. So if you're a business attorney two years in, maybe you connect with someone who's seven years in, 10 years in, whatever that is. You are able to find professionals who can network with you. Crazy story, but if you listen to uh, Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, she has an entire section in her masterclass where she talks about what she did when she first started her business. She joined a networking group and 
they were all older gentlemen who were helping her with her business and giving her constant advice. She still talks to that group of advisors. All of these years later, she still engages them for advice. So when we say mentorship opportunities, this is what I mean. Sarah Blakely is still a privately held company with Spanx and is worth billions with a B. So let's not forget that there are these mentorship opportunities if you are seeking it out and if you are open to it, which means not saying, oh, I'm too busy for a mentor. It's opening up and saying, this would be a great opportunity. Let me ask for things that I don't know about instead of assuming I know everything. And trust me, I'm one of those people who likes to say I know everything and then I get around people who know more than me and I just soak it all in. So remember, just be open to the opportunities that are there in a networking group. You may be surprised that it's not just clients that you get, you're also getting you know, mentorship and learning that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Okay, and the final benefit here is exposure to opportunities. So you've got right connections that can open doors to things that you didn't know, podcasting, joining people on their podcasting, podcast, uh, speaking engagements, partnerships, and just so many other opportunities that are available for you if you do decide to join a networking group. From my personal experience, from when I joined networking groups, I'm gonna speak about my experiences now. I can tell you that the networking groups um, that I've joined in a 12-month period have generated over $100,000 in revenue for me. That's one of the easiest ways to explain this. I joined a group, spent a couple thousand, and I got about $100,000. Now that's money I spent and time that I spent engaging with the people in that group and by taking on a leadership position in the group, but I generated revenue for it, $100,000 worth right? So that's from my own personal experience. The second thing is that I've built relationships from older networking groups that I'm no longer part of, and they have fueled my consulting revenue. There are people who will refer to me years later, and I've been able to build really important connections and relationships with them. And it's been just one of the most rewarding experiences being part of some of those networking groups and meeting some of those people. Now I will tell you that it is a numbers game. You know, I've met 2,000, 5,000 people. I don't know the exact number, but it's in the thousands. And of those, I've gotten five people to, to refer business to me. So yes, it is a numbers game, but everything's a numbers game. If you're on social media, if you're on Instagram, 40,000 people look at your reel, how many actually schedule a consult with you? Three, four? So it's the same sort of numbers experience here, but I always want to be honest and upfront with you. So this is what the numbers look like for me. Now, a fellow lawyer that I met in one of the networking groups that I was part of asked me to speak at the Leadership Institute of Women of Color Attorneys, which is my entire focus, women and women of color. That's who I work with in Atlanta and at their national conference. And that was attended by hundreds of attorneys of color. And I would have never gotten that opportunity had I not met with this person and built the relationship with this person in the networking group and outside of the networking group. And it was four or five years after knowing this person that they asked me to speak at this event. So I just wanted to emphasize that sometimes these things take time and they absolutely pay off. Next, I've connected with other consultants who work with the same clients that I do, and we built our own little referral network and learning network. And we even had a magazine called Law Firm Quarterly. If you Google it online, and if you look on my LinkedIn page, you'll see it. We are six or seven professionals working in the legal space, and we write an article about something related to law firm growth every quarter. And having that group of people where we can share advice and feedback on books we're reading and people that we're working with. And if I have a client who has a problem, they are always willing to be supportive and be helpful. So just a heads up, it is, it's really helpful, not just in terms of who you could potentially meet in terms of potential new clients, 
but also for the other people who are in your in your same field and in the same industry who can support you in ways that you couldn't even imagine that happening and I'm a solo consultant, so if you're a solo lawyer or you've, you're one of three and your partners don't really support you and you don't really have that open channel to communicate with them about struggles or about things that you are wondering about, whether it be AI or ethics or whatever it is, again, networking groups do really have a lot of benefits when it comes to um the, the potential people that you could meet and all the learning that you could have. All right, another crazy stat for you here. According to LinkedIn, 80% of professionals consider networking to be important for their success. So 80% of people understand on LinkedIn, not 20%, not 30%, 80% of people understand that networking is important to their success. So if you weren't already convinced, I'm hoping that these stats are helping get you there. Okay, here's the question that I get a lot. Nermeen, should I join a networking group? The simple answer is yes, but I'm gonna add some layers of questions here that you can answer for yourself as to whether or not you want to join a networking group. Now, one thing that you wanna keep in mind is that when you join a network, networking group, there's no one size fits all answer. There's not gonna be one group that answers all of your questions, that's everything that you need. But before you do join a networking group, do some research. Find out about the members that are in that group specifically. Are they lawyers only or are they blend of professionals? Do they do other things? What is this group's main focus? Um, how frequently are they gathering? Are they gathering virtually or is it in person? How many people have been in that group? for more than three years or five years, if there's a lot of churn in that group, that might be something to be wary of, or it might be a really good thing if they're getting so much business after 10 months or 12 months that they're having to leave, then that's that could be a good thing. So just make sure you're asking these questions and gather as much information as you can decide to, you can gather to decide whether or not this is a good fit for your law firm specifically. All right, so now that you've got information about the networking group that you're interested in, now you've got to ask yourself some questions, right? So ask yourself, do you want a diversity of professions like a banker and an insurance person and an accountant, or do you only want other lawyers or do you only want other personal injury lawyers? You get to decide that for yourself. Then ask yourself, is eating breakfast with a room full of professionals at 7 a.m something that's gonna make you cranky all day, or does that make you super excited? I'm not a 7 a.m.er, I've never been a 7 a.m.er. When I was in my networking groups, they were all at like 7 a.m., but I had to be up at 6.30. It was very difficult and challenging, and I will tell you by the time the meeting was over at 9, 10 p.m., by the time I did all the email wrap-ups, the follow-ups, everything else, I was exhausted. My brain, was dead. So if this is something that you're willing to do once a month, once a week, you know, you got to ask yourself from a time and energy management perspective, is this worth your energy or your time? Okay, next. Now, when it comes to networking, it's not just about what you can gain. It's also got to be what you can give to people as well. Again, always be giving. And this is something that I stressed a lot when I was a group leader for one of the networking groups here in Atlanta. You know, you don't wanna wait for someone else to reach out to you. If you see them on a Zoom screen or if you see them in a meeting and you're like, hey, you seem cool, like let's connect for a one-to-one -one coffee. My goal was always at the end of every meeting to connect with at least two people for that month uh, before the next meeting so that I could have some one-on-one -on -one time with them and get to know them better. Now, some groups will have already structured meetings where it's like, okay, you three are gonna get together, you four are gonna get together, however that ends up working out. But oh, don't rely on just the group to create these uh, meetings for you. Go out and create your own meetings. If you're just gonna be in the meeting and sit there with your face on the screen or sit there with your body warm in a chair, it's not gonna result in the kind of success that I had. I can guarantee you that. I went out and I made these connections. I connected with people. 
I said, hey, let's get a coffee, let's get on Zoom, let's do a wind down at five o'clock next Friday. I was constantly connecting with people and that's why I was able to build the network that I have and why I've been able to have the level of success, financial success that I've had. Because I was always reaching out and I was always connecting with people. Now, here is something that I'm going to suggest to you. So beyond meeting with these people, at least two people once a month for these one-to-ones, what I want you to do is in this phone call, there's a specific format that I want you to follow. Now, not a lot of people talk about this, but I'm gonna talk about this right now. You don't wanna be on a call for 45 minutes with this person shooting the shit or listening to whatever crisis they're dealing with at work at the moment or at home at the moment. You want this to be a fruitful, effective uh, 15 minute, 15 to 20 minute conversation. And the way I usually do this is I'll get on a call with someone else, say, hey Sam, thanks so much for agreeing to chat with me today. How about this? I'll spend five minutes talking about my practice and what I do. You spend five minutes talking about what you do and then we'll spend the next five minutes trying to see if we can collaborate in any way or support each other in any way. How does that sound? Usually people are like, wow, thank you so much. I had no idea what I was gonna talk about for 20 minutes on this call and you have just made it so much easier for me to do that. I usually like to lead the introduction to myself because it gives them a structure of what I want them to tell me without me interrupting them while they're speaking because once people get into a flow, they don't really like being interrupted. So I start with my introduction and I will say, okay, here's who I work with. I work with lawyers, specifically women-owned law firms who make $200,000 or more in their practice every year. They are stressed out, they're overwhelmed, they're feeling like babysitters on their team, they're doing all the work even though they've got people, they wanna increase their prices but they're scared to, and they're just scratching their head when it comes to marketing. They built out a website, they're not really sure what to do next, and they're just feeling a little stuck and they really want someone who can tell them what the next best step is for them to grow their practice. Now these are not people who are looking to stay where they are, they want to grow, they want to increase their revenue. And the people I don't work with, now notice this is the second part of the conversation, I don't work with male attorneys because I found that they don't really like following my advice and that's okay. And there's other consultants out there for them. I also don't work with attorneys who have only had their firm for less than two years because the first two years are gonna be heck. And there's nothing I can do to make the first two years better. It's really just more of a mental game. I'm here to work on the numbers and I really wanna be able to analyze them. And I can only do that when you've been there for longer than two years in your own firm. Okay, so what are the first two questions that I answered right there? People I work with, AKA my ideal client. People I don't work with, AKA don't introduce me to these people, right? Now, did you see how structured that was and how intentional that was? Then I'm gonna be responsible and I'm gonna say, okay, your turn. You tell me what you do and tell me who you work with and tell me who you don't work with. Now, I've now structured the conversation twice and I'm handing it over to them to be able to tell me what they're doing. Now, when they are telling me what they're doing, I'm not on my phone, I'm not on Twitter, you know, please don't be swiping, like just be responsible and actively listen to what they're saying. Look for like big ahas, like, oh, okay, so you are a wealth manager working with people who typically own real estate, commercial real estate. Okay, great, that's helpful. That makes me think of three people. But you know what? I know a commercial realtor and maybe that could be a good introduction, right? Like I'm actively thinking and going through my Rolodex in my brain while they're telling me what they're doing. I'm not like zoned out. I could also be taking notes during this call, but I'm not like just driving and talking to this person. That's not gonna be an effective 15 minutes of your time or my time. So what you wanna do is be very intentional and strategic during these calls. Then you wanna get into a little bit of non-professional stuff and get into some commonalities. 
Hey, do you have kids? Hey, what part of town do you live in? Are you traveling anywhere for the summer break? Are you going anywhere for the springtime? You know, I'm about to leave for Italy. Have you been there? Is there anything that you would recommend about Italy if I go there? Make it a little bit personal. So you've gone through and understood what each person does professionally. Then you're gonna take it on a personal level and try to sound like a human being, right? Okay, so then you wanna have a follow-up plan after you go into the personal topic. So 15 minutes, wrap it up. Say, okay, I'm gonna follow up with you with an email. And in that email, I'm gonna tell you what I do again and my client profile and who I work with. When you get my email, please respond and tell me the same information about you because I don't wanna forget and I wanna make sure that I've got it written down here. And you, you really want to make sure that this email is no more than three sentences. Who I work with, who I don't work with, thank you so much. Three sentences, okay? Like we don't need to get into paragraphs. If you're writing paragraphs, you don't understand who you work with, period. You are not clear on who your clients are if you're gonna send paragraphs to someone. One sentence is all it needs to be. And do not make it some all-encompassing sentence like, I'm a business lawyer, I can work with anyone from the start of their business to the death of their business. No, don't do that. That's not helpful at all to anyone. So one sentence, be specific and go from there. Now, here's something super important that I want you to know. If you are able to make an introduction, make an introduction to this person. It doesn't have to be to a potential new client or to one of your paying clients. It could be to someone in your network, like I mentioned, that commercial realtor. So what you wanna do is you wanna be able to make that introduction because it's just gonna add the cherry on top. Not only have you asked this person what do you do specifically and who do you work with and who don't you work with, you are now giving them an opportunity to meet someone in your network, showing them through good faith, hey look, I know that this networking thing kind of sucks sometimes, but hey, I'm here to give you an introduction even though you have not given me an introduction yet. There's nothing in this, there's no strings attached. That's basically what that email says. I'm gonna introduce you to so-and-so. Okay, so I want you to remember something that T Dale Carnegie said, which is you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. Focus on them, not on you. All right, Dale Carnegie said it best. All right, pitfalls that you wanna avoid while networking. So networking can be a powerful tool, but it needs to be used correctly. And I want you to walk, watch out for these common pitfalls. Only networking when you need something. Listen, nobody likes that fair weather friend. You wanna invest time in maintaining those relationships even when you don't need anything, okay? I hate those people who just show up in my inbox and it's like, hey, I need something from you, okay? I'm happy to give you something, but it would be nice if you offered me something with no strings attached. Like, I'm more likely to refer business and to send business to you in the future if you do that. Next, it's being too self-centered. Engage genuinely with others. Stop talking about yourself. Ask them about their interests and needs and show some genuine interest in helping them. If you keep listening, I'm gonna have specific questions that you can ask people that shows your interest in them. So keep listening. All right, the next thing you wanna go for quality and not quantity. It's better to have a few strong and meaningful relationships than a ton of superficial ones. Don't just sit there adding people on LinkedIn, you know, people you're never gonna talk to. Really try to be intentional, be meaningful about it. It's gonna go a much longer way. Finally, neglect. You form all of these connections through these networking groups. You've gotta maintain them. You gotta grow them. It's like a plant, okay? You can't just throw in the seed and then never water it and never put sun on it and never sing to it, right? You gotta put the work in. So you gotta have communication and maybe you take some time out each week to email or call them or to catch up with a few of the people in your network. You know what they actually say, out of sight, out of mind. If you're not showing up in their inbox, in their DMs, in their LinkedIn messages, in their LinkedIn posts, in their, um, 
in front of them physically, you are out of sight and out of mind, my friend. Okay, so I want you to avoid all of these pitfalls. Now I'm going to talk about specific networking groups that you can join if you are considering um, joining them. Now, look, it's very hard to speak about this on a national basis because maybe in one part of the country, some of these networking groups are great, but in another part, maybe it's a little bit more sleepy. Um, so here are just a few. There's the Lawyer 500, which is all lawyers. I think you've got to be at a certain income level or at a certain um, number of uh, attorneys that you work with level before they'll let you join, but that's another one, Lawyer 500. And I believe that they are meeting virtually now. Um, there's the International Bar Association. There's the American Bar Association, but specifically go for the sections and divisions. So if you're a solo, go for the solo. If you're in uh, tech law or cannabis law, go for that one specifically, okay? Then there's provisors that's got chapters throughout the country and they are in-person and virtual. There's BNI and they've got chapters throughout the country, but one thing to keep in mind about BNI is that they are a weekly group and they typically do require more time than most attorneys have to give and some of these groups do start to penalize you if you miss a certain amount of meetings. So just keep that in mind. As you're going through these list of potential networking groups you could join, what I want you to remember is the price point and the time commitment. So some of these are gonna be monthly, some are gonna be weekly. If it's an affordable networking group, like less than $2,000 or less than $3,000 for the year, think about the quality of the referrals that you're gonna get. I can tell you I've been in affordable networking groups and I've been in ones that are less affordable. And what I found is that when I joined the more affordable ones, the price point reflected exactly that of the clients who could work with me. They typically worked with me at my lower value services rather than the things that I can charge higher amounts for. Once I joined the higher networking groups, there were people paying me thousands and like five figure, you know, commitments rather than, you know, a four figure commitment. So it goes a long way if you if you are in the right networking group at the right price point. Now let's talk about what you can do to maintain and nurture these relationships after you've met with them in a networking group. So again, it's offering advice or referring them to other resources or other people. Um, when you can provide value to people in your network, you are establishing your reputation as a valuable contact for them. The next thing you want to remember is that consistency is key here, okay? Don't reach out when you need something. We're all busy, but communicate with them regularly. Keep up with them. Keep up with their lives. Provide support when they need it. You can set on your calendar quarterly network check-in, and you reach out to the same people every single quarter. Hey, just checking in. How are you doing? Hey, just checking in. How are you doing? You can have the same templated email that goes out to people, and then in one last blurb say, hey, did your son go off to college? Hey, how's that garden coming along? Hey, how's your plant? Hey, how was that trip to Italy? Whatever you remember about them personally, add in that personal detail, but the rest of the email can be generic, and it can go out to the same 30, 40 people that you're reaching out to. Listen, everyone has time to do this. You've gotta make the time and remember to be able to do all this stuff. Okay, next, personalize your interactions with them. So try to remember things about them, their kid's name, their interests. Be a human being, right? This is gonna go a long way in building an enduring professional relationship. Again, use a spreadsheet to track, the, track this information, who you met with and what their specific interests were. And finally, don't forget to su support them in social events. So if they've got something coming up, they've got a talk that they're doing on LinkedIn or on Zoom, they've got a talk that they're doing um, at an in-person event, go, show up, support them. It will mean the world to them. You might think, okay, well, there's gonna be 100 people there. It's all the way on the other side of town. Do I really wanna do this? Yes. 
anything that you can do to solidify that relationship, especially if it's someone that you've only met virtually, you definitely want to be able to take the in-person element as the next level and show the commitment that, hey, I'm not just someone that you met in that group once, I'm someone who you're gonna meet multiple times and I'm gonna come support you and you never know, someone may give an introduction to you the next day and that could be the make it or break it for you. So keep that in mind, support people in all of their events. Okay, so let's talk about some alternative ways to expand your network outside of traditional networking events. So like I said, you can join a group. You can also do virtual conferences. They are huge now, especially post-pandemic. I haven't seen 100% of conferences go back to in-person. I think a lot of people, once they realized how to actually host a successful virtual conference, started to do that because the cost is much lower. And not only that, but it allows people from all around the country to join in. And some people have become really good facilitators of these virtual events where it feels like you're getting to know people just as well as though they were in person. So the thing that you wanna do is if you meet someone in a virtual networking group, you wanna capitalize that opportunity, that meeting, you want to follow up and follow through, you wanna participate, you wanna ask questions, you wanna engage in the breakout sessions, initiate contact with others, get those one-to-ones in, go through that 15-minute format, phone call with them, make it happen just as though you would be in person. Do everything that you would do if you were virtual, okay? Have no difference between how you show up. Make your energy level there. Show up and present yourself. Put your makeup on your face. Put a suit on. You know, don't look schlubby. Don't wear your workout clothes. Like, be intentional and be purposeful about it. If it's going to take time on your calendar, time away from family or clients or things that you could be billing for, you wanna make sure you're getting an ROI from that. And that starts with you and the energy that you're gonna put into it. So keep that in mind as you are figuring out your networking for 2024. All right, so now I'm gonna talk about those specific questions that you can ask to people as you are networking with them and as you are getting to know them, right? So this is all teachable. That's what I really want you to know is that I didn't learn this one day. I'm not naturally a good networker. I feel very awkward. I feel very introverted. I feel very shy. I don't like talking about myself. All of it feels very uncomfortable for me. And most people would tell you that they have no idea that I feel that way. They have. They just think I'm just this ball of energy that just walks in and just has all these things to talk about, and that's not true. These are all the things that I've learned from years and years and years of networking and meeting people and being in weird, uncomfortable situations, being the only person who showed up to a 300-person event and then making friends and getting to know people just through walking around and getting to know people. So let's talk about the first teachable skill here, and that is active listening. I know most of you think that you listen, but you're really not listening to people. So networking isn't just about pitching your services or talking about how great you are and how many years you've been in business and how many immigration cases you did this year. And it's, it has nothing to do with you, okay? It's about building relationships and that requires an interest in others and what they need. So I want you to remember that when you're engaging with people, whether it's in a group conversation or it's one-on-one, you want to pay attention to what they're saying and that's going to make them remember you. So if you're in a room full of 50 people in a Zoom room and you're like, how am I gonna stand out? Ask questions. Be engaging to the person who is speaking. Don't just sit there and nod your head. Be actively engaged. You know, Zoom allows you to have those reactions, throw up a clapping hands, actually keep focused on your computer. I can tell when people are reading emails, right? And and if I can tell, other people can tell too, which means you're not engaged in the conversation. So please make sure you are showing up engaged, focus on them, make it about them, okay? 
Now, here are the exact questions that you can ask people who are strangers. And you're like, well, I don't want to talk about the weather. What, what else can I talk about? Okay, here are some things here. Ten, nine questions, okay? And you can write these down. You can listen to these again. However you want to do it, here they are. What's your current professional role? What brought you to this event? What's your favorite thing about your job? Are there any exciting projects that you've worked on recently? What's on your desk right now? This is one of my favorite ones because it could be a puzzle. It could be flowers. It could be a broken computer, right? It could be all sorts of things that go into a lot of really interesting places. So I really like that question. Is there a current favorite client that you are working with and what makes them your favorite? This is a really good one. And it really shows the client and this person that you are engaged in whatever they're gonna say. How did you start in your field? Any hobbies that influence your career or things that you enjoy doing outside of the office? What's your go-to breakfast? Mine is, I find that talking about food oftentimes gets people to warm up in very interesting ways. You'll see this smile on their face and you'll see their eyes kind of light up a little bit more than if they were talking about work. So if you feel comfortable talking about food, if you're a foodie yourself, if you just really love breakfast, if you don't want to talk about work and you think it's weird, ask them what their favorite breakfast is. It's such a good question to ask. Okay, so next, once you've built this relationship, you've engaged with them in person, you want to make sure that you are following up. So drop them an email, um, schedule a lunch meeting. You want to make sure that you are nurturing that connection post the event. All right, the final skill and the most important one here, I think, is adaptability. So as a law firm owner, you're going to meet a lot of different people at a lot of different price points, social situations, all of it you are going to see. And you're going to need to be able to adapt your approach based on that person. So some people might love your direct no bullshit attitude. Others might need a little bit of a warm up before you ask for an intro. Your job is to be adaptable and your job is to actively listen to understand how you need to adapt based on that person. Look, I know that all of this is easier said than done. I'm not saying that this is an easy skill to learn. However, with some practice and some patience, you can develop it, right? You are going to get better at networking. You are going to get better at those icebreakers. It will happen for you naturally over time once you start practicing. And then people are going to be like, wow, Sally's so great. Sam's so wonderful. And it's because you will have known how to have these engaging conversations where people are talking about them and you are not talking about you. Okay, let's get to to the almost last part of this conversation, which is, you're mean, I don't have time to join a networking group, or I don't like any of the groups near me. I mean, there's too much time commitment, or it's too far away, or the one I hear a lot is, I'm a mom. There's no way I can do a 7 a.m. or a 4 p.m. networking group. I got to drop my kids off, and I got to pick them up. I completely understand all of that, okay? It, it can be very difficult to find time as an attorney, much less as a mom attorney. So here's the key. A networking group is for professionals who want to help each other with their business, whether it be introductions to potential new clients or another, or another professional who may be able to solve a specific problem for you. That, in a nutshell, is how I want you to think about a networking group. So the networking group doesn't need to be a room full of strangers that you've never met before. The networking group doesn't need to be a paid networking group. You can build your own networking group, and here's how you can do it. 
So number one, you can find an activity that you enjoy doing. Is it hiking? Is it bowling? Is it drinking wine at a local wine shop? Is it going to church? I found that activity-focused networking groups can not only become a friend network for you, they can also help deepen those connections so that people actually really not only know you and know your business, but they actually care about you because they've been on this activity with you, they've done this thing with you, and it really helps to deepen those connections. And the deeper the connection, the more likely you're going to get some really great referrals. Okay, next. If you don't wanna do an activity, if you're like, no, you know what, I really like keeping hiking to myself, I really like keeping pottery to myself, or Nermeen, I'm a mom, what do you mean? I have no activities or hobbies. I hang out with my kids and being a mom is what I do. I get it. So listen, if you don't want to do an activity, find some time that works for you. I usually suggest once a month on Fridays at four. Maybe for you it's Tuesdays at noon. Whatever it is, gather 10 people on that day and time, that same time every month. And it can be the same 10 people, it can be new 10 people, it doesn't matter. I guarantee you, you know at least 10 people. And invite them for a wind down or a check-in or anything like that. You can do it over Zoom, you can do it in person, and you're just getting 10 people together once a month. If you do that, that's better than you doing absolutely nothing. That's you being involved in your community, that's you reaching out to people, and each person in that room probably doesn't know the other person. So that means that person has now met someone new, which is great and really nice for them because they're probably going to attend the next event that you have. And you've just given them something, an introduction, a new friend, a new place to drink, a new wine shop to check out, a new restaurant to check out. You've given them something and they are going to be grateful for that. 100%. And finally, if you are someone who's really shy, who's really nervous about doing this, listen, I get it. I've been there. I personally have to push myself really hard to do these networking things. It's not natural for me, like I've said before, but if you find yourself in that boat and you just can't push yourself, I understand. Here's something else you can do. Network with a friend. You and this friend. If you're an immigration attorney and your friend's a business attorney, both of you get together to do an activity, whether it's axe throwing or bowling or whatever it is, and or you can do a group Zoom call. Each of you invite 10 people and at least five will show up from both of your networks. So you're inviting 20 and at least five will show up. And of the five who do show up, I can tell you that the people in the room who do show up will be so happy to see you, they will have met you people, and the next time that they attend one of your events, they'll probably want to invite someone else because they so enjoyed your event. So if you are one of those people, I completely understand. Just make sure that you are there and that you are intentional about who you are going to invite. So really think about it. Okay. The last, last, last comment here, please don't forget about LinkedIn. Once you've connected with someone on a one-to-one -one phone call or in a group, make sure that you're taking that connection out of your email inbox and onto LinkedIn. Add them as a contact, go follow them. I can tell you that I've referred many attorneys um, that I've met once and then added to LinkedIn because I can then search on LinkedIn business attorney or tech law attorney or IP attorney or whatever that is, and then make the introduction for my clients. So it's a really great tool to add into your networking and it really takes things out from just connecting on, you know, just connecting on in person or in that one virtual Zoom meeting to then meeting them on a different platform as well. And one of the things that I always like to do is I will go back and comment like or reshare one of their recent posts because that goes a really long way for people who are posting content on LinkedIn. It's another way to give to your network by actively engaging with their content. All right, 
if you join a networking group, you've got to make sure that you've got a really good, memorable introduction. I've talked about this for years. I know you've heard me talking about this. Too often I hear really crappy introductions from attorneys specifically, and they have no substance. And the first 10 seconds that you were talking to someone, no, the first four seconds you were talking to someone might even be less than that. They're either going to decide whether or not they like you and they want to keep listening or they have nothing that they want to listen to from you and they're just going to ignore you and look away. You want to be in the first camp. You want to keep them engaged. So you really need to make sure that you've got a good, memorable introduction. So here are some, here I'm going to give you the formula and then I'm going to give you examples of a good introduction. So the formula is, it's easy enough for an eight-year-old to understand, which means, sorry, legal jargon, can't include any of that stuff, we don't need it. An eight-year-old's got no idea what most of these legal words mean. And the second piece of the formula, you've got to explain what you do, who you do it for with an emotional punch. I'm gonna give you some examples here before you're like, oh my God, I don't even know what that means. Here are some examples of a good, effective introduction for a networking group. One, I'm a divorce lawyer helping doctors who love their kids get a divorce. Simple, straightforward, to the point, simple enough an eight-year-old can understand, great. Tax law sucks. I help make it suck less. Simple, straightforward, you know exactly what I do, you know how I help. I'm a commercial lawyer helping my clients collect high rents and get to the closing table. Perfect. I know exactly what you do. I'm an estate planning attorney who won't confuse you with all the weird tax laws when writing your will. Great. I'm an immigration attorney working with Nigerian professionals to get their legal status in the U.S. Perfect. I know exactly what you do. So here are some bad examples of an introduction. Do not use these. Do not use these. I'm going to say this again. Do not use these. I'm an immigration attorney with 15 years of experience. I work on H-1Bs, O's, family, VAWA, T-Visas, U-Visas, and PERMs. Don't do that. That's horrible. Don't list out all the things that you do. Don't list out a bunch of legalese and legal jargon. Nobody has no idea what any of that means. I went to law school. I don't even know what that means. So don't confuse people. You're not helping. Here's another one I don't want you to do. I'm a real estate closing attorney with Smith, Patel, Cox, Johnson, Waters, and we're, loca we're located in Midtown and have 10 attorneys in the office with over 100 years of experience. Blah. Blah. Just terrible. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Next, don't use this one. I'm a business lawyer and I don't charge as much as those big law attorneys do. I'm affordable and I can help with suing your business partner or helping you create an employee manual or buy another business. I can do everything your business needs. Call me. No, don't do that. That's horrible. All right, so that's everything for this episode. I'm hoping it was a fully exhaustive episode on why networking is so important. You don't have to join a networking group. I do recommend that you do, but if you don't have the energy or the bandwidth, make your own. No matter what, always be networking. No matter what, always be giving. All right, my friends, that's everything for this episode. I will see you next week. Thanks, lawyers.